So one of the things that you have to adapt to when you move to Canada from the States, if you're not from the northern states or something, is you have to learn to drive in snow. Although there are places, like we had lots of snow in Idaho and Montana as we were traveling down and back from Oregon. And I heard yesterday on the radio, as we were getting ready to uh, leave the hotel in Coeur d'Alene yesterday, I guess it was TV, I heard they were talking about 50 inches of snow coming within the next 24 hours to the mountains in Oregon. 50 inches, that's over four feet of snow that was going to fall in less than 24 hours. That's a lot of snow. Um, and, and by the way, if you're younger, like if, if you're 22 years old or something and you're driving and you're one of those people who gets a big four-wheel drive truck and you think to yourself, you know, with this big truck, I put this baby in four-wheel drive and I can go 120 down. It doesn't matter, you know, snow, ice, I can do whatever I want. Uh, this truck will handle it. Uh, you know, the technology today is going to make me so safe, I'm just okay. I, I can't tell you how stupid that is. <laughs> um, like, I, I watch these guys, like, like, every now and then someone will say to me, you drive like an old man. And of course, I, I think, well, it kind of fits now. You know, but the fact is that I drive like a very wise, safe man. That's how I drive. And when this F-150 goes whipping by me at 120, and then you go down, uh, you know, 15 minutes later, it's in the ditch. Or when you're coming and all of a sudden you see a car and it's completely rolled over and you think to yourself, why would it be rolled over? Like, because somebody was going too fast on snow. So you young people who think that you can do this, slow down, become wise, become old before your time, learn some things. And, and just be safer for all of us. We're all safer on the roads when you do that, okay? So be careful. Um, one of the things that happened to us was I had to make, uh, we were, were trying to sell a house in Portland, so I made numerous runs to Goodwill and to the dump, taking things out of the house and disposing of them. And because of that, I kept traveling the same route from the house to the dump or from the house to Goodwill, and they were all kind of in the same place. So I, I was traveling the same route numerous times when I was in Portland in the last week. I don't know how many times, but a lot. And one of the things that struck me was how many homeless people there are now on the streets of Portland compared to when I was 25. It is just way different. Like there are little camps like, even, even along the sidewalk, you do, like, just a, a major street, and there's a sidewalk, and in front of a business, somebody will have taken four or five shopping carts, put them into a ring, covered the whole thing with a tarp, and that's where they live, is on the sidewalk. And there were many of those. Um, I, I didn't tell you this, Robin. We, she mentioned something to me just as we were leaving, and I got distracted. I didn't... Uh, tell you this, but there was a lady, and because of my experience of dealing with people from international cultures, now immigrants all the time, I'm guessing she was from Somalia. She just struck me. I looked at her and I thought, that lady's from Somalia. And she was living about two blocks from my in-law's place, somewhere there on the street. And I saw her over and over again, and she was the one. You remember you said, I hope that's not a baby in that carriage. Remember that? Well, there wasn't a baby in that carriage, I don't think, because I saw that lady numerous times pushing that carriage around in the cold. And, and, uh, she, you know, and it rains, of course, a lot in Portland, so I'd drive by and it'd be raining. And this lady was just out going back and forth along the sidewalk the whole time that we were there. So we were there for about four days, back and forth along the same stretch of sidewalk. I saw her countless times. And here's what I thought. I thought, I am so grateful to be a part of a church that is ministering 
regularly to people like that. And I thought, I hope that lady has somebody, somebody around her that is a church like ours. Because we would take care of her. And I'm just so pleased that we have that kind of ministry here. And it is a rich blessing to do so. So thank you for your ministry and the ways that we open ourselves up to folks and the ways that we minister to them. It is a rich blessing for sure. Let's pray. Lord, I would pray that you'd be with us just over the next few moments as we consider what it means to have a life devoted to you through some specific practices. And Father, I'd pray that we would not just be discussing um, rules to live by, but that we would be talking about a, a lifestyle that would bring us closer to your heart. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen. We are, over the next four weeks, going to be talking about some spiritual disciplines. And there are lots of spiritual disciplines that we could focus on that would help us to connect with God. Uh, we're only going to deal with four of those or so. Ones, I hope, that will be meaningful to you. But there are lots of these, lots of spiritual disciplines that people could be involved in. I wanted to give you a resource, or some resources. You want to f- move me ahead there? Is that Ethan? I can't even tell. Resources for spiritual disciplines. If you haven't looked at these, I encourage you to do so. If you wanted to pull out your phone and take a picture of that screen, or if you wanted to email me and say, hey, what were those two books that you were talking about? These have both been around for a long time now. Um, Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, which is an absolute classic. It's been around for a good 30, 35 years now. It was one of the first books that I was ever given uh, as a very young minister. Robin's brother actually gave it to me as a Christmas present. And I've just been so blessed by it uh, for all these years. And then Dallas Willard, who has been a spiritual giant in our times, just died here the last couple of years. The Spirit of the Disciplines. And if you were to have either one of those books in your possession and go through them, they would talk about all the spiritual disciplines, far more than I'm going to address this morning. And you would be greatly blessed if you took yourself through those books. But what I want you to do right now uh, is there is another good book, the Bible, that talks about some spiritual disciplines. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, if you would. It's on page 684 if you're looking at the Bible underneath the seats. And it's interesting the way that, like, we use the term and the expression spiritual disciplines, and somebody could easily say, well, you know, where does that come from? The word spiritual discipline doesn't seem to be in the scriptures, and that's true. You're not going to find a a, a verse that talks specifically about spiritual disciplines, but you will find some verses that talk about spiritual practices or practices of faith or practices of righteousness that we can do that are going to enhance our relationship with God. And this is a key place in the New Testament describing just these things. And so in chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus says, and and notice this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the teachings of Jesus about these particular things. And he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you you will not have your reward from your Father in heaven. And so, um, There are some spiritual practices that we can actually participate in that are going to enhance our relationship with God. He says, so when you give to the needy, he starts talking about giving, one of the spiritual disciplines. It's interesting. Um, You know, the last couple of weeks I talked actually about giving, didn't do so in the context of spiritual disciplines, but this is one. This isn't just a, a responsibility or something commanded by God. This is one of those spiritual disciplines that enables us to have a closer relationship with God. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. 
Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And then he goes on, he talks about prayer, and he talks about uh, fasting as disciplines in which people might participate. And I really think this is a great place if you're thinking, what might I do in terms of spiritual practice to be what God wants me to be? This is a great place to go. But you might be one of those people who is motivated by different kinds of things when it comes to actually practice spiritual disciplines. And here's the thing. If I was to ask you, why is it that you don't practice spiritual disciplines? There's almost no one in the room that would say, because I don't like them. Nobody is in the room, nobody in the room is, is likely to say, because I don't want to be closer to God. Instead, the number one reason that people would say, I don't practice spiritual disciplines is because I don't have enough time. I can't fit it into my day. I get caught up in other things, and these things I just don't have time to get done. And that's unfortunate, because these things are so very important. So, There are various ways that you might be a person who would be motivated to do something for which you otherwise wouldn't have time. Like, for example, if I said to you, I'll give you a million dollars if you start participating in the spiritual disciplines. I'll give it to you every day, a million bucks every day if you do one of the spiritual disciplines. That would motivate some of you to do it. In fact, that might motivate all of you to do it. Um, The unfortunate thing, of course, is that it would be a broken promise. I couldn't carry through. So there are some other ways in which you might get motivated to do spiritual disciplines depending on your personality. And here are some things. You want to send me forward there, Ethan, please? For example, you may wish to be obedient. You may be one of those people who says, I just want to do what Jesus wants me to do. And so you would do spiritual disciplines because of that. You may wish to positively practice, practice righteousness. Not because you're commanded. And so rather than the obedience thing being significant for you, you might say, well, I, you know, I just want to practice righteousness and be in a relationship with God. You may wish to receive ultimate kinds of benefits from God. Every one of these passages talks about reward. And so maybe there's an ultimate kind of reward that you would receive and that would motivate you. Or maybe you wish to have heart connection with the Father, which is really what's happening with our Connecting with God series. Heart connection with God. So maybe these are some things that would motivate you. And I just want to go through and talk about each of these passages from that perspective. What would you do if you're motivated this way? So for, Ethan, you want to move me forward, please? The next slide. Your motivation, let's say, is obedience. It's interesting that in every one of these sections on a discipline, so forgiving or for prayer or for fasting, when you look at the first verse In that section, see what Jesus is doing here. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. In each case, Jesus is actually expecting that you're going to follow him and therefore that you're going to be obedient in this way. And so every one of these is in the imperative. Do it. Jesus says, I want you to give. Jesus says, I want you to pray. Jesus says, I want you to fast. And so there's no question about whether or not the spiritual disciplines are something that spiritual people longing to have a relationship with God should do, especially not if they are those driven by obedience. Because Jesus here specifically commands. 
there's an imperative in every one of these calling us to do these very things. And so if you think to yourself, well, I do want to be obedient to Jesus, then the spiritual disciplines is, are something in which you're going to participate simply because you're wanting to follow the Lord and his commands and do what he says. If I said, do you want to do what Jesus says? Everybody in here is going to raise their hand. And so spiritual disciplines sound to me like something we should be participating in if, in fact, we are want to follow Jesus and do what he says. Okay? Secondly, Ethan, you want to go ahead for me? What about your motivation if it's positively living well before God? If you're not a person who doesn't need a command, you just say to yourself, I want to serve Christ. I want to be what Jesus wants me to be. The fact is that Jesus anticipates that there will be on the part of his disciples a desire to practice righteousness. And so again, if you go back to the first couple of verses of each one of these sections, giving, prayer, and fasting, Jesus actually expects that this is what his disciples will be doing. And so he says, not just fast, but when you fast... When you pray, when you give, in each case, there's the expectation on the part of Jesus that this is just what his disciples do. And so he's simply giving guidance here to some people who love him, who want to follow him, who want to be like him, that these are the kinds of things they'll be doing. Now, we talk a lot here about discipleship these days. And the word discipleship means simply to follow. And so we want to follow Jesus in what he says and does. And in this case, to follow Jesus in these very practices. He's giving guidance to disciples, followers, about what it means to follow him. Do you want to follow Jesus? Anybody in here not want to follow Jesus? I think we all do. And he's simply saying this is one of those things that we do when we're trying to follow Jesus. Next slide, Ethan, please. Your motivation. What if it is the ultimate benefit to be achieved? What if you want ultimately to be in heaven? Or what if you ultimately want special relationship with God? What if that's the reward? Well, Jesus specifically mentions the special reward that we'll receive from the Father when we practice spirituality. And so in each case, he says, don't do this, giving, praying, fasting, so as to be seen by men. But instead, he says, practice these disciplines because in the midst of these disciplines, there will be reward. God is going to look at you. He's going to see in secret that you're doing these things. And he's going to reward you because you did. And again, I'm not sure if the reward here is going to be so much the notion of going to heaven forever. Like, I don't know if I can just equate reward equals eternal life here. It wouldn't surprise me if the reward, even though Jesus doesn't specify what that reward will be, is in fact special relationship with the Father who sees in secret and who has that special relationship with you because he's seen you do those things in secret. And so if we're seeking closeness with God, if we want connection with the Lord, these are ways in which we need to be connecting with him. And God is going to bless us with that special reward of connection when we do. And so then, lastly, to go right along with that, your motivation is your heart connection with the Father. Clearly, in these passages, God is watching the heart. 
seen even the secret things. And at that moment, when God is there looking at you in secret and you're giving, maybe when nobody knows, and you're praying, spending those times in, in silence and aloneness with God on your knees, praying. Or maybe it's when you're hungry after having fasted and you're sitting in your office and you're thinking, Nobody knows how hungry I am, but God knows. And in fact, thinking of the Lord because of the hunger that you're feeling. At that moment, there is going to be some kind of special connection between you and the Lord. And that connection, that closeness is so much what we're trying to achieve through all these weeks of talking about connecting with God. And so the spiritual disciplines... And I think these three, the giving, the prayer, the fasting, are just examples. These three become, I think, ways of us connecting to the Lord with a closeness that, we've, that we don't have any other way. God wants so badly for us to, to be one with him. And this is, this is a way in which he, Jesus himself, clearly chooses to say to us, connect with me in these ways, and you're going to be closer because you do. And then I want to, right here at the end, I want to switch directions just for a moment and talk about another aspect of this whole spiritual disciplines thing, which I think is really important. Let's imagine that rather than being motivated by reward or by command, obedience, whatever, these things don't necessarily motivate you to do the spiritual disciplines. Let's imagine that this morning that you're just one of those weary, burdened, hurting ones. And I was so blessed just a few moments ago. I don't know if you're going to be able to sing that song, Jonathan. We sang a song just a moment ago about rest in him. And I'm hoping that we can can sing that again here as, as we close. When you look at this passage, Ethan, you want to go there, please? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It was the first line, verse 28, that went through my mind when I saw that lady along the sidewalk in Portland. She was covered from head to toe in I don't know how many coats, how many shawls, how many dresses she had on. She was carrying a shopping cart or pushing a shopping cart, and trailing behind it was the baby buggy that Robin saw and said, boy, I hope there's not a baby in that. And I I thought these words to myself as I drove by her, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I thought that lady so badly needs the rest that only Jesus can provide. But what does it mean to come to him? Come to me, all you who are weary. Like, what does this mean to come to Jesus? And, and certainly, what does it mean for those who've already put on faith and in that sense come to Christ? Like, I'm, if I'm already in Jesus, does this passage still apply to me in some way? And I think that it does. Because my sense is, that it's through these disciplines that we're talking about that often 
through those that it's the weary and burdened ones among us, including myself, who find such encouragement, such sustenance and blessing, nurturing and health. When we come to Jesus, specifically through the spiritual disciplines, they minister to our souls. So that we're not just carrying out some obedience to a command. And I know there are those of us who are motivated along those lines. But when we come to the Lord in a spirit of devotional prayer or fasting, and even with our financial giving, something happens between ourselves and God at that moment. Something rich and deep that happens in the secret places and God brings us in connection to him. And Jesus would say, at that point, I'm going to lift your burdens because the way of life that you choose to live in me is light and easy and it brings rest to your souls. And that's what we find in him when we participate in the spiritual disciplines is rest for our souls. Why don't we all stand? Jonathan, come and sing. Um, You know why the Sabbath was commanded, not suggested in the Old Testament, I think? Because we're stupid. And we will work ourselves to death unless we make a choice to stop and rest. And it doesn't matter what kind of work it is. Um, Ryan, I appreciated your Lord's Supper thoughts. I always appreciate what Ryan has to say because he's a kindred spirit, someone who's been on a foreign field for a while. And I thought when I was in my 20s going to Japan that this service for God would just fill me with life and it just about sucked the marrow out of my bones. So right now I'm teaching a class at Alberta Bible College on mission. It's theology and practice. And so if the first, most of the class, we do a bunch of history and a bunch of theory and a bunch of theology about missions, but we're going to end the class with practices to sustain those kids as they go out. Because if you don't choose Sabbath, you will work yourself to death. And that's not God's will for us. He, he chooses us to die to ourselves, to live in him.